What do you need to know when it comes to home inspections? And what can happen to purchasers who remove home inspection subjects when they present their offer? Todd Talbot from Love It or Listed Vancouver drops by to talk about open houses. Do they work or are they just another sales tool for realtors to meet clients? And John, what are the big five stories right now on Vancouver Real Estate Today? In the Real Estate Council of BC has fast-tracked some changes it says will improve public protections. The council says as of uh, this week, it'll use a lawyer in investigations of misconduct by a real estate agent. The Real Estate Council's hired lawyer, Patrick Pointer, its new legal counsel for serious cases that involves public risk. It'll also employ a team of private investigators for those cases. It says the changes were part of a review of issues last year, but were fast-tracked, of course, even with the recent real estate issues, including shadow flipping. Now, as the rise of Airbnb listings puts pressure on our rental housing market here in Vancouver, one Burnaby tenant says some landlords are trying to cash in using the wildly popular, uh, popular excuse me, short-term rental site. 24-year-old student Teresa Mansell says she and her two roommates were evicted from their heritage home because their landlord's family members were moving in. Only they found out the place listed for almost $200 a night on Airbnb instead. She says regulation and enforcement is now key to protect renters. What if one of us had a disability or for low-income family, like how difficult that would be to be operated suddenly just so he can make more money over the summer. Definitely needs to have more regulations to avoid that. The city of Vancouver is studying the issue, as we know, while Tofino passed a motion to require Airbnb operators to get a business license. Last week, Ian, we ended with a question. We talked about the Carnegie Community Action Project's annual housing report. It found that the last line of defense for homelessness is rapidly disappearing in Vancouver. Spokesperson Gene Swanson says stock of single-room occupancy hotels is vanishing. Rental rates are soaring. And Swanson says Vancouver needs to preserve existing SRO stock and move to create more. She also wants the province to raise welfare disability rates and minimum wage. But staying on housing, this week, Ian, a new report says there's been a big increase of homeless people who have died in the province. The report found a 70% increase in homeless deaths in B.C. Executive Director of Megaphone Sean Connon says the problem is likely much worse than the numbers suggest. He says the number is likely at least twice as high, could be even more. He says homeless people's life expectancy is decades lower, and the problem is also spreading at an alarming rate into the Fraser Valley. So Ian, with more people turning to life on the streets, a vanishing stock of single-room occupancy hotels and rental rates rising on SROs, what steps can Vancouver take? What type of housing is there? And which direction should the city go? Well, in the city of Vancouver, we're quickly running out of places we can actually build interim housing. I mean, normally we try to buy up an old motel or hotel, uh, but there just isn't any more to buy, and we need places to put people while they start to recover. So what we've asked for are for uh, qualified professionals to put submissions together to build some modular housing. This is modular housing that could be built on empty lots throughout the city, like, for example, lots uh, where the developer is waiting uh, to develop or on city land. That can last for two to three years, for example, build out of prefabricated modular units. Modular housing are actually prefabricated units, which could be stacked and, and put in different ways to actually mimic the look of a building. And uh, we've had one really great example so far. Uh, it's the units in the downtown east side. These are made from old shipping containers that have been uh, put together and then decorated so it looks like an actual building. Uh, what we want to do is to, uh, is to expand on that concept to use it for uh, interim or temporary housing for homeless people around the city. 
So that is Vancouver City Councillor Carrie Jang talking about what they could possibly do. Here's another option. What if a van dwelling is the next best affordable option in Vancouver? And city living usually means paying a hefty price in rent, as we know. But what if you could buy your home or, or just uh, own it instead of renting and wasting money? That's what couple Sarah Porco and her uh, partner did. They moved from a 1500 per month condo to a Class B camper, and they park it in the Mount Pleasant neighborhood. So those, wagon. Yeah, those are some of the stories that we've been following this week. I like that. It reminds me of uh, when I was a teenager. I used to go everywhere in the van. Yeah. You know, the shag carpeting, the stereo, the little propane heater, all yeah. that. No, it's now probably... you see those on the streets and you think, oh, I don't uh, know about that van. Pretty sketchy. <laughs> pretty sketchy. Uh, stay with us in a moment, we'll, and we'll pick up on the Big Five at the a uh, little bit later in the program. But coming up next, a certified home inspector. What you need to know. That's next on Vancouver Real Estate Today on News Talk 980 CKNW. Trina Scare's background in construction and renovation proved to be invaluable for her need-to-know home inspection services business, which is built on some 20 years of solid practical knowledge and training. And we'll get into some of the details of what she does, but she is in studio with us right now, and uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Ian. So this home that you live in now was built in 1935, uh, and that intrigues me because uh, I'm a big fan of preserving properties wherever possible. I, I don't like the idea of sending things to the landfill unnecessarily, and this is such a tear-down city. But we'll save that conversation for another time. How is your house coming along? Uh, slow and steady. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you know, we, we tackle the things that need to be done, but yeah. uh, it's standing. Let me ask you this. What are some of the inherent challenges of, of taking a home that was built in 1935 and bringing it up into this new era? Permits. Anytime you have any changes to it, you have to adhere to the current standards and codes. Um, and now the codes are changing. So if you want to do a basement suite, you have to bring not only the electrical permit in, but the city will want you to upgrade everything. So it can be costly. From from a construction standpoint, when I redid a home back in uh, Ontario, it was a 90-year-old home. Nothing was square in that home. It was a nightmare. No, nothing is square in those homes. they were all drunk when they built those houses. <laughs> I don't know. And there was six different uh, layers of floor. Like, yeah. oh, it was awful. But you got that real old growth wood in there, didn't you? I that, did. That's and, nice. And getting that back to, uh, to, as you say, don't throw it away. Don't send it to the landfill. Reuse it and, and repurpose it. Um, for your place, did you find any nightmare uh, scares that uh, made you jump out of your shoes no i ex- everything i found we expected absolutely no- nothing hidden in the walls nothing was uh surprising how long have you had your home inspection business three years so, and what are the what are the qualifications how does one become a, a licensed home inspector you need to take the courses through carson dunlop online or you can go through douglas college uh there's 36 tests you have to pass um it's extensive knowledge after that you've got to take a test through one of the associations i went through CAPI. after those exams you take field review and you have to pass a peer inspection review after you've done all of that, then you're certified. Yeah. Now, the reason I'm asking is because the provincial government has been for at least a couple of years now, it might, might go back to 2013 now, have been promising new rules, mm. and new rules will come into effect September 1st, 2016. Are you familiar with those rules? And, yes. And do they go far enough? 
Well, you know, Ian, I think anything that makes the home inspection industry better and more accountable for consumers is definitely a step in the right direction. Um, Do the rules go far enough? I think that remains to be seen. We know that the standards are changing and the criteria to become a home inspector are going to be more challenging. Uh, The rest of the changes will not occur until 2017, actually. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, But when I think about uh, the government and... I think it's critical that the organizations like CAPI work with the government to ensure that the rules are put in place and that they do go deep enough. Let me uh, just go through those very quickly. Mm. Uh, Home inspection contracts must describe in advance what will be covered in an inspection. Contractual terms that limit home inspectors' liability will be prohibited. New business record-keeping requirements will be put in place for home inspectors. Home inspectors will be required to have valid professional and general liability insurance. These are all good things. The other organizations, and this is where it gets tricky for me, because uh, you've also got the applied sciences technologists and technicians of BC that are also approved assessors, uh, Canadian National Association of Certified Home Inspectors, uh, National Home Inspector Certification Council. Have I missed anybody? Uh, Canadian Association of Home and Property Inspectors. I think we mentioned them. Uh, you are a member in good standing. You're also Baumner approved. So I Brian am. Baumner, what does that mean? Does that mean that you get to go on TV or? Uh, I wish. <laughs> no, no, not yet. Uh, being Baumner approved means that he's certified, not guaranteed his crew or the members, but uh, he's done extensive search on me, interviewed myself, people I've worked with, and he's putting me as a check mark to hire me. Level one, level one certified infrared thermographer. Yes. Do you know that, that I could not find the word thermometer? thermographer in any dictionary. <laughs> Say it three times. Yeah. So what does that mean? You're, a, you're a, a thermographer. So I take an infrared camera okay. and I can do thermal scans of the house. And what Fine. do you learn from that? From the ther- thermo- thermography. Thermography. <laughs> I can, so what infrared does is find the difference between heat um, in the difference in temperature between different substances. So I can find water leakage, air leakage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, what are the, the the most common deal breakers when it comes to home, home inspections that you do? The thing that uh, we're going to get to the removal of subjects in a moment, but in a normal course of action where somebody says they'll put in an offer subject to a home inspection, what are some of the things that you come across that have been real deal breakers? You know, it's actually quite surprising because it can be anything. To some people, it's the water problems and structure and roof, which would be what I would recommend as being you know, something that, that a deal breaker would be. Um, but some people also just don't want to buy something because they have to redo a kitchen or a bathroom or the basement suite. So it's it's broad in what some of the deal breakers can be for people. How how difficult is it for you and for a home inspector to actually know what kind of water damage is in, let's say, for example, a home of, of your age, say 1930s home. How could you know the possible damage from water in a home like that? How how can you assure the buyer that you know what there's there's the floors are going to be wet when it rains but there's not uh, significant damage how how do you ease concerns from buyers well there's definitely things we look for one is any water ingress and that can be looked at by staining so there's different types of stains we look at with different types of materials um, but with older homes even homes 20 years old drain tile can be an issue um, the waterproofing on the foundation can always be an issue they don't actually put enough on when they build these homes mm-hmm. so it's giving my buyers the uh, here's what I know here's what I I'm aware that could happen um, but we look for signs of any possible ingress and when we find those signs 
I do further investigation. You know, we probe, we we smell, we try and find where there could be an issue. Is water the biggest issue? I'd say so. Yeah. We're, we live in a rainforest. Yeah. Yeah. And then electrical, plumbing. Oh, plumbing is water, of course, but yeah. electrical and I'm guessing um, mechanical, things like your heating sure. system. And then... Would the roof be up there somewhere along those lines? Yeah, I mean, a roof is, a, you know, you're always going to have to replace a roof um, and a furnace and a, and a hot water tank. Um, with the electrical, it's definitely a safety hazard we look for because so many homeowners do their own work and don't necessarily know what they're doing. One of the things that I recommend to people, not, not that I'm an expert by any means, but just based on experience through having done these programs, is to get from the the seller, if you can, some kind of a maintenance record. So in other words, and then the example I like to use, if you have a house that has, let's say, a uh, the roof is cedar shake shingle and it's 18 years old, you know that you're pretty close to the end of life. You might get another two to seven years out of that roof, but at least you know going into that without having anybody come and look at it. Uh, and you can do the same for mechanical. What's the maintenance been on, on for example, your heating system? or even your plumbing, or in your case, uh, a home of 1935, I imagine you had aluminum wiring, for example. Uh, no, knob and tube. Not, not knob and tube. Yeah. Okay. To so, your point, though, for um, maintenance would be fantastic. Like when you buy a car, you know you've, it's been maintained through mm-hmm. a car search. I'd love if there was a home search, but we look for service tags. If we find them, then we know it's been up to date, and there's a, a more or less a record shown. Um, but we always tell clients, get the information. When was the roof done? When's, where's the warranty on it? When was the last time the ducts were cleaned? Yeah. Well, and don't get me started on duct cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, don't get me started. I, you know what? Uh, I don't believe in it. I'm not a fan of it. I think it's a waste of money. That's just my pr- – unless you've got – unless you've been doing construction at your house – or you've got real bad allergies in your house or something like that, if you look at uh, even Canada Mortgage and Housing, uh, don't necessarily think that's the greatest idea. And, and you're right. Um, yeah. To the point of renovations in house, uh, brand new homes have filthy ducts. Yeah, and you've got to get them done. Yeah. But here's the thing. We hear this in the news. John is reporting on this all the time. People are going in. They, w- they want to buy a house, and they have to find at the last minute, you've got to remove all subjects if you want to get this house. So remove the subjects, remove the home inspection. What are you going to say to a potential buyer in that case? Uh, I say always get a home inspection. Find a way to get it. A lot of people, before they put the offer in, are bringing inspectors out on open houses, uh, getting the inspections done before the offer because you never know what you're going to find. Um, mm. You know, I use this analogy with my clients. You don't buy a car and not get it inspected by a professional and you're spending 15, 40 grand. You're spending a million dollars in a house to not know whether you've got a serious structure issue or water infiltration or what's going to go wrong. And with so many people spending every last dollar of their savings on the down payment, mm. there's no room for problems. So is this the new norm that um, open house, any chance you can get into that house before uh, possibly making your offer, you bring a a home inspector like yourself. Are you seeing more and more of that? Because people, they, they have to have all their ducks in a row when they're making that offer. And it has to be instant. Yeah. Um, so are you finding people are trying to get way ahead of the game by doing this at that first chance? I think people have no choice. And, and yes, they are. And they're, is, they're trying to find any way to get. What's the reaction of, um, of say, a realtor when they when they see you come in with your home inspector on, on an open house? That's Is that just... It's varied. Some are fine with it. Some don't want you there. Um, but the reality is they, they need a home inspection before they put the offer in. So so, f- so for people that want to you know, not get these home inspections done after the fact, mm. you recommend doing this? Because this, this is a, a, 
this is a news story that I don't think is going away. Lots of people, their jaws kind of drop when they hear it, but other people are saying, you know what, we want to get this home and, and we want our cleanest offer we can possibly make. And you're suggesting this is the way they could do it? It's it's a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I spoke to the real estate board yesterday in Victoria, and we had a conversation about this topic. And he's just saying people are finding any way they can to get a home inspection done. Mm-hmm. Um, we spoke about it being mandatory with Consumer Protection BC taking over. Would it be an option? And I don't know how far they can go with that. I invited Consumer Protection BC to be on the show this weekend. They did not have anybody available. So just I uh, want to put that out there because they are the, the governing body of your industry. Yes. Home inspectors. Yes. Yeah. I think one of the things to consider, though, John, especially when we hear these headlines about people removing subjects like home inspections, many of those homes are teardowns. So the inspection is completely moot. Mm-hmm. You're, yeah, absolutely correct. Yeah. Um, what about new condos, new homes? How important is the home inspection? on something? I'm talking brand new. New condos, I think you still need some because of de- depreciation or deficiencies, I'm sorry. Uh, with brand new homes, absolutely. Uh, I have heard stories throughout the industry that there are great, great builders, but there's also ones that aren't great. And we find a lot of deficiencies, just safety issues, things aren't put together right, and all of those things should be done when you're buying a million-dollar home. So did they build homes better 20 years ago, or did they build them not, uh, better now? Uh, I think they built them back in my era. <laughs> Uh, the 80s, I think, were really great up until the end of the 80s. And then the 90s, we had, I don't know what happened, but we had the leaky condos. Because had... they were built in the 80s. Right. And because they changed the building code uh, right before Expo. Uh, John, you were here in Ontario at the time. In the 1980s, we had Expo 86 here, which was a huge success, a giant event. But they, in order to increase housing and density, they changed the building code. And that's what, in short, that's a very short explanation People are, are banging their radios right now, going, "No, no, it's, it was it was this." But but essentially, that's what happened. They they dropped a lot of provisions in the in the building code that that led to the uh, these places going down and having the leaky condo syndrome because the leaky condo syndrome exists very much today as it did then. Yeah, and that's the exterior cladding. You know, the leaky condos came from a hotter place in the world, and they thought it would work here, but we are a rainforest, so that Well, the work. other thing is, too, is what we did was we sealed up homes mm. and had poor ventilation. And to that point, and we're going to take a break and we'll open up the phones, but now you have a construction or renovation background, so what do you have a trade or is there a part of construction that, that you would say is your sort of your forte? Uh, I'd say more prominent these days um, is exterior, so anything to do with concrete. Okay. I'm, I've been doing work in that for the last five and a half years, um, but I've been able to dabble in every single section of it. So. Okay, we've got to run. We're okay. going to come back. We're going to open up the phone. Trina Scare is with Need to Know Home Inspections Limited. She is a certified home inspector. Our phone number is 604-280-9898 or star 9898. If you have a question for a home inspector, now is the time to call. This is Vancouver Real Estate Today on News Talk 980 CKNW. Our guest this morning, Tina, Trina Scare, a certified home inspector and owner of Need to Know Home Inspections. With more than 20 years' experience in the building and home industries, Trina provides comprehensive home inspections that include full infrared scanning and appliance testing. She's also one of the very few female home inspectors in the industry in British Columbia. Need to Know Home Inspections, NTK Home Inspections.com. Our phone line is open to you, to her at 
280-9898 or star 9898 if you're mobile. And Lucas is on the line. Yeah, hi there. Um, I have a client who purchased a home in Tawasson recently and uh, decided to renovate the flooring after he purchased the home. The uh, previous owner put down some cheap laminate. Once he ripped up the floors, uh, he discovered he had stamped concrete underneath everywhere, which had major moisture issues. Turns out he had to redo the entire drain tile system. Uh, we had to rip out all the stamped concrete, apply a epoxy moisture barrier, and redo his whole floors. Is there any way he could have uh, had that inspected and know uh, before he purchased the home of what he was getting himself into? That's a great question, Trina. So, Lucas, he did not have an inspection done prior to the purchase? I believe he did have an inspection. He did, um, okay. But they, um, for some reason, they, they didn't look at it at the floor at all. Uh, I was called in once the flooring was removed and uh, the moisture issue was dealt with, but it was... You would check you know, for that, seven. would you not? You would uh, you would check for moisture levels, moisture content in concrete? Yeah, we, we check for if there are signif- if there are signs that show us that there could be a problem for sure. Um, smell is a big indication. You will get that from drainage tile because it's going in the walls, it's in the concrete. Should his home inspector caught this? I don't know the situation at the time of the home inspection. It's hard for me to say. If it was wet at the time, I'd like to believe that there should have been signs for him to catch it. So would you not, as a rule or sort of a course of your action in inspection, would you not, uh, the um, hydrometer, is it? Uh, Moisture meter? Yeah. See, I'm trying to be scientific (laughs) here. And you're just... Keep it simple, Ian. Just taking the sweep from me. Would you, as a routine, use that? We do use it mostly in bathrooms. Uh, we do use it around the perimeter of uh, foundation walls. But again, only when we see signs. And yeah. there see, are I'd, typically signs. I'd be signs. all over that. I'd, I'd want to be right on that. Yeah. Good morning, Gail. Oh, hi there. Um, I have a question regarding the construction of the buildings going up in South Surrey, whether it's a home or condos. A lot of them are being built, it looks like, with particle board instead of hardwood. Are you talking about the, the, the plywood, the sheathing, or... Is that what you're talking about? Walls look like particle board. On the exterior, Gail? Yes. Yeah. Strand board, probably. Yeah, they shouldn't be using that. (laughs) Okay, what do you call it? Uh, Strand board, OSB. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, it is actually legal. It is It is within the code. Some would argue that it's just as good as uh, plywood. Uh, I, uh, personally, if you're asking for, I think Trina's not Trina's, head. Trina's face <laughs> would say no. No, it's pro- probably not uh, not the best. It's basically what it is. It's pieces of scrap glued together yep. as opposed to layered on top of uh, one another. Jolene, how are you? Oh, hello. Um, just two quick questions. Could you spell um, Trina's last name, and is there a direct phone uh, number for Trina? Oh, we thought you'd never ask. <laughs> Hi, Jolene. My last name is spelled Scare, S-K-A-R-E. Oh, okay. Nice and easy. Okay. Um, and I, if you go on my website, you can get my phone I, number directly. I'm sorry, I'm well, a little late. Why don't we, you want to give your phone number or you don't? Uh, I can give it to Jolene after, yeah. Okay, for, that sounds good. Uh, thank you for your call. I appreciate that. Um, and your website again is n ntkhomeinspections.com. With an S on the end. With an S at the end. Um, do you, like, so when you go into a home, some of the, the, the tall tale signs um, that good inspectors will, will come across that others are missing, 
Uh, what are they? What What are some of the things that that you know sort of instinctively to to look at the minute you walk into a property? Uh, the things I look at right away is the slope of the yard. That'll give me an indication where water's going towards mm-hmm. your house or away. When I get into a house, I look for staining instantly, and I smell mm-hmm. uh, on the ceilings, on the ground, the perimeter. Um, and anything that doesn't look maintained, if the house looks like it hasn't been maintained for years, there's going to be problems how, that I can find. How can you tell if someone's trying to hide something? What's the easiest sign? Uh, brand new paint, uh, things in a position that don't look quite right. A lot of furniture piled up against one wall and not the others. I think Bennett, Bennett are you there? Oh, no, we lost Bennett. Bennett had a good question. We've only got a, about a minute here to yep. go. Uh, the question was, what is the liability of a home inspector? Excellent question. We do have great uh, insurance, and uh, our liability is thats a hard one to, to answer. We do the best we can on inspection. If we miss something that was clear and evident on the day of the inspection, we're held liable for whatever that might be. Some people have the impression that home inspectors uh, have no one to answer to. No, that's not true. We have our we have the government to answer to, and we have uh, our lawyers to answer to, and CAPEBC, which is our association. Okay, I want to give out your website if you if, if you may. That's uh, NTK. So it's the company is called Need to Know Home Inspections with an S on the end. Uh, it's NTKHomeInspections.com. Trina Scare is our guest today. Uh, finally, in the last twenty seconds, just a couple of tips on how to find a good. Home inspector. Okay, call f- minimum of three companies, ask questions and get a feel for how comfortable you are with the inspector and how they are with your questions. If you're not comfortable, then you're probably not in good hands. Uh, cheaper is not always better. Uh, you're paying for experience and knowledge. Check for the reviews on a reputable site. And are they licensed? Check with Consumer Protection BC. Will you come back again? Of course, yeah, for you guys. It's been fun. Thank you, <laughs> Trina Scare. Need to know Home Inspections Limited. Oh, you are just in time. Todd Talbot is next from Love It or List at Vancouver. We're going to talk about open houses. Do they work or are they just a tool for salespeople to get more leads? Next on Vancouver Real Estate Today on News Talk 980 CKNW. And we're back on Vancouver Real Estate Today with our regular guest, Todd Talbot, who is, uh, what are you... Coming close to the end of season three on Love It or List at Vancouver? Well, they're airing right now Monday nights at 10 p.m. on W Network. I, I think we're about halfway through the season. Is it a, Would I be breaking a trade secret if I were to ask? How far in advance do you tape the show before yeah. it goes to air? About six months. Really? Yeah. And do you remember back to the time when no. you were... No. No. <laughs> I don't even know what you're going to say, but by the time you started the question, I already forgot what you were saying. Is... <laughs> no, I, I have no idea. <laughs> the, they, I just got an email, actually, because we've got a new episode coming on on Monday night, and uh, they send us the link to the show so that we can watch it, because obviously it airs three hours in advance on the East Coast, right. and people tweet questions and you know have comments on Facebook or whatever, and... Um, it's very difficult to remember. I mean, we're up into, we're shooting like 80, we're in the mid-80s right now in terms of the number of shows that we've done. Really? Yeah. Wow. And how do you keep it fresh? Uh, that is, that's our job, I think, at the end of the day. You know, we're, we've got a formula that we use on the show, and um, I equate it to like a long-running Broadway show. You know, mm. you're doing the same thing essentially over and over, and your job as the host is to is to keep it fresh and exciting and try and say the same thing uh, in a different way 
a hundred different times. It's kind of like radio. It's kind of like radio. I mean, <laughs> I, I always, I, I'd love to challenge people to come in and describe a bedroom, which is essentially four walls and a window and, and a closet, technically. Yeah. Let's get down to the business. By the way, uh, congratulations. The show is stellar. And every time you come into the studio, we always have people right around the glass. They, they want to get a look at you. Oh, he is tall. <laughs> uh, he doesn't look that tall on television. It used to be the most popular question, how, how tall are you? I was going to say, how old are you? But people are getting, getting a sense of that. Yeah. I want, the question I wanted to ask you today was in regard to open houses. Yeah. Uh, in this climate and otherwise, yep. a lot of people seem to think that open houses are really just a tool for the real estate agent to get more listings. So, in other words, they get people through the door yep. and they get their name, their number, totally. and then they go after them. And it's true. And that's it? Yeah, no, I mean, I think an open house serves a lot of different purposes. You nailed it in your question. I think in different markets, they serve different purposes. So, right now, we're in an extremely hot market. I would think that and suggest that an open house is an efficient way of getting a lot of people in right off the hop. Mm-hmm. Um, get you know, It's funny, I was talking to somebody yesterday on the phone about the fact that they went and saw this property that they were interested in, and they were calling me about it, and they were at the open house. Well, there's an amazing phenomenon that happens when you walk through a door and you've got 10 other couples in the house at the same time. Yeah, It creates a certain buzz, a certain energy. People are feeling like, oh my goodness, i got to get on this. So as the seller... If you can create that kind of atmosphere, right. to me, it's a win. I, I love the argument that people say, oh, well, an open house is for the agent. Who cares? I mean, if it serves your purpose in any way, shape, or form, go for it. If they pick up a client that wants to buy a condo somewhere else or something like that. So be it. Yeah. What, what, how does that affect you negatively? I guess where maybe this came from in a time when things weren't as, as hot and rapid as they are now, right? You'd you'd have an agent sitting there at your house for two or four hours or however long the the open house was, yep. and nobody would show up, or you'd get one or two parties through, and then they'd just be collecting names. But I like the idea of creating that buzz inside the home. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, if if a real estate agent in a slow market wants to sit there for two hours and drink a cup of coffee. Fill your boots as far as I'm yeah. concerned. I wouldn't do it. The other thing is is that what we do is we let our clients choose. Some people have a very, very strong opinion that an open house is the way to sell your house. Mm-hmm. And that's the seller speaking. So I want an open house. All right, fine. Yeah. And there's other people who don't want it for privacy reasons, right. for all kinds of different things. And so, you know, oftentimes we'll just turn that question over. We'll talk about the pros and cons. If you want it, great. Let's do it. If you don't, no worries. Is it something in today's market that you would would you want to push in that direction? Uh, when I was coming up here, I, I knew you were going to ask me this question. And I was thinking, well, I like to relate it to myself. If you were selling my house, would I ask you to do one? And I think right now the answer is yes. Okay. I would like to push. Whenever I rent out properties that I own, I schedule people like five minutes apart mm. so that they all essentially arrive at the same sure. time. There's a bit of crossover. It's a bit of crossover. And the other thing is you want to keep this uh, this process efficient. So you don't want to kick people out of their house over and over and over again at dinner time and bring people through. The other thing is is that, you know, my wife and I, 
will be driving around. It's not like you'd think I'd seen enough houses, <laughs> but we will actually go and look at open houses. Yeah. And it's amazing what happens when you do that. It opens you up to a new area that you haven't heard about. Mm-hmm. Some people complain, well, oh, the neighbors will come in and look around. Sure. Who cares? I do. First of all. <laughs> Well, well, <laughs> you've never invited me over, and I don't know what you got to hide, but I'm sure there's something there. Here's the thing about a neighbor coming through, is that those neighbors often talk to other people who want to live in their neighborhood. Right, that's true. Give them the information. Have them spreading the word out there. Yeah. Now, see, there's the other side of that, Todd, that I find fascinating, and I've watched that this happen in my neighborhood where they'll have realtor openings. Yep. So you'll get, suddenly you'll get, 10 or 15 or 30 realtors descending upon this one property, yep. and they all come in, whoosh, all at one time, yep. do the tour. And that probably is a good idea because you're exposing yourself to more potential buyers. It's a great idea because what ends up happening is that those agents who choose to do their due diligence and know the product that comes on the market, they can now in an educated way, talk to their clients. When their client phones up, especially when people specialize in an area, let's say someone specializing in North Vancouver, if they've seen those properties and their client phones them up and says, oh, I love this house I just saw online, which is what happens all the time, then that agent can speak to that house and say, oh yeah, I was in there last Thursday. Let me tell you a little bit about it. If you still like it, let's set up an appointment to go and see it. So, I mean, it's a great tool. It's a great uh, networking um, situation, and and basically, you know, agents are just educating themselves on the product that's out there. I'm told, and I and I'm going to throw this at you, and I didn't prepare you for this, but I'm told, eighty five percent of homes that are sold today are not are sold by the buying agent or an other agent. So not necessarily your if you're the seller, your agent isn't necessarily the one to, to sell it. So, in other words, they'll end up splitting it. 85% well, a, yeah, comes from the other side. It's a, it's a complicated... Um, the terminology we, we use in the real estate industry sometimes is a little bit misleading. The buyer's agent is helping the buyer, but they're selling the house to their client, so it gets a little convoluted. Most of the time, you've got two agents who are working. One is representing the seller. One is representing the buyer. That's what happens most often. Mm-hmm. So you've got, and, and for my money, that's the best situation. You want somebody fighting for you. Right. There's, there's a few other ways that people go around uh, about it. There's dual agency, which is one agent essentially transacting the, um, uh, doing the sale for both parties. And then there's no agency where if you're buying the property, but you are not represented by anybody. So there's a few different formulas that we have in in BC. Okay. We're going to wrap up this segment, but just as we do, open house, generally speaking, you would be in favor of it. In this market, yes. In a slow market, probably not. Todd Talbot from Love It or List It, Vancouver, which is on... Monday nights. Not tomorrow, because tomorrow's Sunday. That's Monday right. night, 10 o'clock Take on the day off. W Network. Yep, yep. We'll give you a little treat at the end of the day for getting through Monday. And we'll be right back on Vancouver Real Estate Today on News Talk 980 CKNW. Well, he certainly got that right. It does feel like it's a little crazy at times. John, it's been another very busy week. What are the big five stories right now on Vancouver Real Estate Today? Ian, real estate experts say some of us Canadians who bought homes after the U.S. housing market crashed in 2007 are now putting their properties up for sale as the loony is slumping, as we all know. California real estate agent David Emerson tells us that Canadians made up at least 15% of home buyers in California's 
uh, Coachella Valley, even as the U.S. economy uh, recovered. And Vancouver, a couple, Brian and Linda Paul, they were looking to sell a three-bedroom home they bought in La Quinta, California, more than two years ago. Uh, Brian says with the uh, low loony, it pays to sell the home now and consider buying again if that dollar uh, climbs back up in the future. And I wonder if you've be heard some stories of this, Ian. Well, I have. I mean, that whole La Quinta, Coachella, the whole Palm Springs, Palm Desert area is a very interesting area, particularly for us on the West Coast, because so many people do have properties there. So many people bought when the housing crash happened. They were buying $20,000, which would now sell for two dollars $250,000. I mean, it was a fire sale. And I'm wondering if there's a glut of inventory on the market in California, if that will make it difficult to sell. So it will have to be something that we keep an eye on. In Ontario, it was Florida and it was Arizona. Sure. Those were the two areas that uh, everyone just bought up. Same scenario. Yeah, cheap Glendale, Phoenix, yeah. all these areas where you could, and not quite as giveaway as the Palm Springs area, but certainly lots of great deals. So now, again, my concern will be, what will the inventory look like? Will there be a glut of these listings? Mm-hmm. And uh, Ian, last week we we ended with a question. We were talking about uh, the lack of affordability in Vancouver. This is an issue we like to talk about here on the show. Uh, we also like to talk about rentals. And this this is one story that I found very interesting, Ian. Uh, um, this this uh, 24-year-old student and her two roommates evicted from their heritage home. The landlord's family members say uh, they're moving in. And uh, then they look on Airbnb and, oh, well, there's the place Hello. we used to live. <laughs> you, you also read stories of people who see their own apartments on Airbnb when they didn't even list them on this website. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Airbnb story is always going to be an interesting one. It's always going to make our listeners' ears perk up. And this affordability one, uh, Ian, I'd like to just end on that. And uh, the fact that they're now looking at modular homes, um, you know, some people might not like this idea. Some people like the way they look mm-hmm. and, and, and say, hey, it's affordable if this developer has a piece of property we want to put 20 of these things up on and and some people can live there for two years until that property is developed. What's the harm in it? Another topic we'll explore. Our thanks today to Amila Bamji, our technical producer for John Meyer. My name is Ian Power. Thank you for joining us. Stay tuned for it's Charmaine De Silva's coming up on the weekend. This is Vancouver Real Estate Today on News Talk 980 CKNW.